Welcome to the School of Wellbeing podcast. I am your host, Meg Durham, wellbeing speaker, educator, and coach. Together, we're going to explore lessons to help us live well. Let the learning begin. Before we dive into our incredible conversation with personal stylist Lauren DeBartolo, I wanted to let you know that enrollments are now open for the next round of Energy by Design. Energy by Design is my game-changing program for educators that are ready to reclaim their spark. It's a space to connect, share, laugh and learn with others that understand the demands of school life. In this unique 10-week program, I share well-being skills and strategies that has helped countless educators to feel good, function well, and reignite their passion for life. The program includes weekly videos and handouts, an exclusive podcast series with well-being experts and educators, and a weekly live Zoom coaching call. The live calls are a great way to connect with others and provide the accountability you need to take your well-being to the next level. The calls will be Thursday evenings at 7pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. Join now and make this term your best term yet. Go on, what have you got to lose? On to today's conversation. In this episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with personal stylist and all-round incredible human, Lauren DeBartolo. Lauren is the founder and director of the Australian Style Institute, one of Australia's leading fashion styling schools. With over 15 years of styling experience, Lauren has developed a styling methodology that empowers clients of all shapes, sizes, and budgets to confidently make their everyday dressing experience much easier and a lot more fun. In this conversation, we discuss how our clothes impact the way we feel and function, the unhelpful stories we tell ourselves, why we wear 20% of our wardrobe 80% of the time, and so much more. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Lauren DeBartolo. Lauren, welcome to the School of Wellbeing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have this chat. I am so excited to have this chat. And so for listeners, I feel like we need to disclose from the very start that Lauren and I have a long history. We went to school together and I have admired Lauren's zest for life and her sense of style from a very young age. So so excited to have this conversation with you. Thanks so much for thinking of me as well. It's, it's cool to reconnect as adults feeling a lot younger than we probably are. I know, and we're just saying that it's been nearly 20 years uh, since we were at school and time has flown and it's wonderful to talk about our passions. And one of Lauren's passions is the psychology of what we wear and how that impacts us. And so I'd love to know from you, Lauren, how did you get so curious about the impact what we wear has on the way that we feel? While I've always been into fashion, I think the way that it makes us feel is something that I've been interested in since a kid. I just didn't know it at the time. It was the same reason why I'd nag my mum to buy one 80s or 90s tracksuit over another because the fabric felt better on or the reason why I was so indecisive, what to wear, particularly on, Meg and I remember we used to have to wear our school uniform on the days where we didn't have to wear it. It wasn't just what might other people think, it was even more than that of, but what's actually going to help me to feel comfortable and like myself. And um, I didn't always fit within the world of fashion. You know, I was always a curvy girl and 
I loved it, but I certainly didn't get designer clothes or anything that was really all that cool. I was a bit of a tomboy. And so I think for me, finding my way in fashion gave me so much confidence. And I got curious about how I could also then give that to other people. I also wasn't cut out to be a designer, if I'm really honest. Definitely didn't have some of the designer skills that are required, but I did have a knack for putting things together and seeing then the impact that could have on someone else. I mean, that was just my mum growing up and then friends when they'd let me. But obviously it's clients now who actually pay for my opinion and mum and friends couldn't care less. <laughs> it is so interesting because when I look back on those coloured clothes days, I pretty much just wore a uniform, pretty much what everybody else was wearing. And I remember looking at you and thinking, you get this. You have this style, one of those people that you could put on a cheap top and it looks incredible or you can put this with that. How does someone do that? Is that, are you born with that? Can you learn that? And it's um, remarkable when it comes to clothes, the different stories that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. You're thinking when you're a young person, which tracksuit over that? I'm just thinking, let's get out of here. Honestly, mum, just pick me something to wear. I've got to get out of here. (laughs) These stories really start to impact why we wear what we wear. When do we go shopping? And this is what's really curious. And the reason why I'm having this conversation is I think it's a really untapped area when it comes to the way that we feel and function because our clothes are representing who we are. We're creating this vision everywhere that we go. And do you see that? Absolutely. I mean, our style is our identity. It's how we express usually what's an internal feeling with the external world. And so it can't be said that style is just clothes or clothes are just, you know, something that's frivolous couldn't be further from the truth. They impact the way that we feel about ourselves. They support the stories and beliefs that we carry about ourselves, which is why it's funny because your recollection of me on those coloured clothes days are I may have had my style together. And for me, it was quite different. For me, I would have felt I didn't fit in or that it was actually more of a nuisance, I remember. It was interesting how a uniform actually provided a sense of not even having to think about what we would wear and more importance when it came time to wear that. But we see that happen as adults. You know, sometimes people have been in the professional world, which is essentially suits or a uniform, and then they move into maybe more of a a casual role or work environment. And they're sort of faced with the same challenges of, hang on, well, what am I going to wear now? Because it's more of those casual lifestyle pieces that actually say a lot more about our style. But coming to your point, our style being our identity, we're communicating with people constantly. It's estimated that 80% of communication is unconscious and a very large part of the initial communication that we have with anyone is based on what we gather visually. And so we communicate really the things that matter to us and then they're perceived through somebody else's perception and then lens or map of the world. We really have more control than people think. To think that it's frivolous or that, you know, people are going to judge me, let them judge me. Actually, close the one thing that you can utilize to say, well, you can perceive me based on what I choose to tell you about myself, whether that's that I like to communicate in colors or that I've made an effort today for whatever this thing is that could be a first job interview or a first date or it could be catching up with friends. That style and really our clothes communicate so much more than simply just the fabric that we put on. It's so interesting that you say that because I remember years ago after I'd had my first son calling you 
And I remember calling and said, Lauren, I literally have no clothes to wear, don't have access to shops. I can't get to shops, but I really need some help finding some clothes. I'm going to be in Melbourne on this date. Can you help me out? And you sent me the contact of an incredible personal stylist. Chelsea is amazing, has helped me so much. But I was really... I'm not sure what the word was. I remember thinking, why is she asking me about how I want people to feel around me? Why is she asking me all these questions? I just need clothes. (laughs) And to take it to that level of how do I want people to perceive me? Do I want other people to see me as welcoming, embracing, or to stand away, to really think about how do I want to be in the world? How do I want other people to feel around me and that our clothes can have such an impact. I mean, you know what it's like to start a business and and put something out there to the world that you want to connect and communicate with. There's intention behind that around the colours and the symbolism and the fonts and all of the different components that we create, even a website, the user experience of how we want someone to navigate that and what information we want them to see first up and what they might need to delve a little deeper for. And it's no different when it comes to, you know, what we put on and how that creates a feeling, again, usually unconsciously around us. So for example, I mean, I know this is really sort of deep diving into the nitty gritty, but even necklines can have someone feel greater connection to us or not. So if you think about a suit, traditionally it creates distance between two people, but even if someone unbuttons the two top two or three, depending on the the cut of the shirt and the neckline, by opening that up and taking away the tie immediately, you can get a greater sense of connection. And we've shown that through studies time and time again. And all that it is, is two or three buttons. It really is nothing. And it's not a lot of skin now shown, but it creates this very different impact that you often can't quite put your finger on, but you would know that person is more approachable than not. So sometimes the way that we've been taught to dress is actually counterintuitive. We think we need to suit up and look professional when really sometimes what we're wanting is to create connection or to negotiate something which always needs open communications. I I guess that one of the things that you've just described there with that session with Chelsea is that there is great consideration into making an outfit or a wardrobe, more importantly, a reflection of someone. And that's the stylist's job to do that. You don't need to have to think about that. Your job should be to be able to go to your wardrobe and feel that, you know what, this looks and feels like me, authentically me, not the old outdated concepts that we have of, but I can wear this or I can't wear this or there's no way I could pull this off, but actually knowing with certainty that that it is for you. And uh, yeah, I've loved hearing about your experience with Chelsea. One of the things that I've loved as well that you've just said is just how easy it made things for you. That's what a stylist really should be doing. It has got so easy now that I never go to a shop unless it's for a styling session. There is no way I would go into a shop to look around. So my experience with shopping generally, if I'm by myself, pre-stylist days, I think, right, really need some new clothes, go into the shops. Go to the shops, look at a few shops, get overwhelmed. I'll end up in two places. One, the food court. I'll just have something to eat. If I just have something to eat and I can just catch my breath yeah. and then I'll try again in that shop and then I get back in the shop and then something like, can I help you? Or maybe, like, I don't even know. This is so hard. Yeah. I've got to run. And the next place that I'll go to is a bookshop. Yep. Because I love being with books. Books are my friends. I can walk through and I can leave with half a dozen books. That feels really comfortable to me. 
But clothes, very uncomfortable. I remember when I was younger, if we had a social or a formal or something, mm-hmm. poor mum, she had to painstakingly <laughs> drag me to the shops and like, come on, just try on some things. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to. And, but I knew I had to because I had to wear something. Yeah. So eventually mum persisted and I found something that felt good. I wore <laughs> yeah. it. It was great. And poor so, mum. Yeah, poor mum. <laughs> it's really interesting to think about all of this. And also I really want to bust this myth that stylists are just for the rich and famous, for influencers, for celebrities, that yes. the money you spend on a stylist is nothing compared to the money you spend on stuff that doesn't fit, you don't wear, you wear it because I've got nothing to wear so you quickly go to the shops and you buy the thing that you never wear again. A stylist is for everybody and the way that you train them at the institute yes. opens it up to everybody every shape and size that we can all have a great experience in what we wear. Yeah. And that's the reality. I mean, if you think about, we've never been so overwhelmed with clothes because we've never had so much choice, especially social media has created that for us. You know, it's all we need to do is open Instagram and be inundated with different looks, even if we're not following um, fashion content creators. It might be that an author that you really like has been dressed by someone that day and they might be promoting a brand that they're collaborating with. And so overwhelm is there more than it's ever been. And that doesn't help us actually identifying what our style is. But if you think about all the brands that are creating, they're not creating with every body shape, every height, every configuration of where we carry weight and structure because they simply can't. They've got a block that they have in mind with a person that they're creating for. So to navigate where we fit with our, you know, maybe it's a post baby shape or maybe it's our really fantastic long legs, but a really short torso. So it makes tops look way too long and pants look way too short. If that's you, by the way, you're lucky I'm the opposite. So <laughs> I've got two thirds torso and one one third is, is leg. And so to navigate that, though, it's knowing where to go. And it's how to utilize illusion to create something that actually still has us look and feel really good, even if we're navigating real challenges, which, you know, we all have. We all know what it's like to feel really good in our shape. And we've all had days, for some people, it's months or even years where we don't feel like we're in a body that is that familiar to us. You're right. A a stylist is for everyone. And when you think about the fact that we outsource so much of our life to people that are more equipped to do it and that give us greater return on investment, our style really fits within that. But you mentioned something really cool. I know we were speaking before about book club and just also you mentioned going into a bookshop as your, you know, your sort of safe place. I think what's really interesting is that creates an analogy for our style. Most of us are reading a book or we think we have this book of our life that is relevant to us now, but most of the stories in it are outdated. We just still think that it's us. We have a wardrobe that often supports the narrative that we think about ourselves, which could be really should have been left back in chapters before or even close that book and pick up a new one. And I think that's really interesting. The thing that most people don't know is when you're telling yourself the same story and you're looking through the same lens or essentially you're reading the same book, we have a part of the brain called the reticular activating system, which has us look for more of what's already familiar. It sort of scans in anything that we know and it sort of pushes out or even sometimes deletes anything around us that is foreign to us. It's the same reason why when you're sitting at the traffic lights, you'll notice the car that's the same as yours, but you won't notice the 20 other cars that are around you. When it comes to our style, we generally end up in a style rut because we buy more of what we can see. So if you take, you know, the example you gave, if you're at the, you know, shopping center, you're going into stores, you're getting frustrated, you're completely overwhelmed. 
Therefore, you're probably taking advice that you can't decipher whether you're being sold something or whether it is genuinely you. Then what happens is that even if you're given a great recommendation, you might actually block it out before you even give it a chance because it doesn't fit within your world of your reticular activating system or your expectation. What's really interesting is that people say all the time, there's nothing for me, nothing for me this season. And I think this is crazy. There are so many incredible pieces that are out there. And what they're really saying is there's nothing I can see. There's nothing I can filter through my reticular activating system. And that makes sense. It's because maybe the last time they went shopping was 12 months ago and that's not in store anymore. I am laughing because pretty much all of my wardrobe pre-Chelsea was navy, (laughs) navy and white, navy and white stripe, pretty much same, same. And with each shop, I've got more and more comfortable wearing different things. And our most recent shop, I put on some things that I never would have tried in the first shop where I'm like, this feels great. I'm (laughs) really walking into this new style session by session where once upon a time I wouldn't even look at it. There's no way I'd even look at it on the hanger and put it on. And now because I've got the support of her team, I only have to be there for two hours. How great like, is that? They've already so done good. the legwork. <clears throat> the stylist will do the research ahead of time. You turn up. They've already done a style consultation with you. So they have the brief at hand and they're not limited only by their reticular activating system or yours. They're taking into consideration, again, every brand within your lifestyle needs, your budget. So the criteria then shapes so many more options than we can create for ourselves. Yeah. And when I tell people that I literally just walk into the change room and all the clothes are there, you see them just go, really? Like this whole <laughs> sense of relief. You what? You just go to the shops and they're all hanging for you? That sounds like heaven. Uh-huh. And it really is for someone yeah. like me to walk in. I have two hours of power. At the start, yeah. you're just getting used to it. You're putting different things on. By the end, It's just like, yep, 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 that works, that works, that works. And then we have to go through, according to my budget, what can we get rid of? And I love this idea of what's going to work hard, making your clothes work for you. So can you explain that a little bit? This speaks to a couple of things. One is we're all limited by how much room we have in the wardrobe. We've got more awareness of the need to be sustainable in the decisions that we're making. So, you know, gone are the days where we'll have something in the wardrobe that it's okay to just sit there because we, you know, maybe picked up a bargain and it still has the tag on it. We want our clothes to work for us because they should fit within our lifestyle needs and actually help us to go about our day spending little time getting ready. It's estimated actually that women spend 17 minutes in the morning getting ready. That, by the way, is to find an outfit. So that's not to do, you know, whatever time you have to brush your teeth, your hair, maybe a you know, bit of makeup if you're a makeup wearer and style your outfit. That's actually finding something. Now, it doesn't take that long to put on an outfit which means that on average, most people are going through multiple options before they actually land on something that works. So making our clothes work for us is actually ensuring that they meet the criteria that fits within all of our individual needs, which means that when we pull them out, not only do they work on their own as far as fit, but they're going to work back with other pieces. And that's where we really, you know, as humans, we have a need for variety, And we want to have our clothes feel like they're giving us variety, which means they have to go back with other things. Otherwise, we end up in the same outfit. 
all of the time. So they should work for us. And for a mum, for example, you know, you've got young boys. And so that means it has to be a practicality element that might be very different for a a client who perhaps doesn't have children uh, and they travel frequently. You know, their needs might be different, but that's where a stylist isn't just generalising on what you need. They're honing in on who you are. Yeah, thank goodness that this sustainability conversation is is so prevalent now because it does mean that our clothes get to work harder for us when we select them right. Yes, it's all about selecting something that can mix and match and it looks completely different with something. I know Chelsea's taught me to cuff my sleeves and tuck <laughs> here and do this and I, originally I was like, what am I doing? How do I tuck? How do I belt? How do I? This is really foreign. I'm really taking a while to take this in. But now I can put something on and think, oh, I need to tuck that in or I need to roll my sleeve because when the sleeve's all down, there's a lot of material. It looks like a lot. So if I can yeah. pull up my sleeve, look look at me. Look how much I've learned, Lauren. <laughs> you know, I'm learning I love these it. things. You know, the difference is that's you wearing the clothes rather than the clothes wearing you, and that's how you personalise them. But when we don't even know how to find the right pieces, we certainly don't know how to accessorise them in, in ways that are us. And anyone who's listening to this that might be thinking like, duh, of course you cuff your sleeves and things like that. Well, good on you. That's <laughs> that's awesome. But that's not everybody. For a lot of people, that is the sort of thing that they excel in other areas of their life. This is one that is better served by having someone offer support and guidance. A hundred percent, that's me. I know that it's not an area that's my strength. And I don't have a leaning towards it. But now with the support of a stylist, I look forward to my style sessions because I look forward to that experience of having a wardrobe that makes me feel good. I have a very small wardrobe now. I don't have a whole lot in there, but everything in there fits me. Right? (laughs) Which is amazing. It sounds sounds a bit strange out loud to say that everything (laughs) in my wardrobe fits me. But previous to working with a stylist, I had things from years ago that I wonder, why can't I get back into that? Or I paid so much money for that, so I should really keep it, but it doesn't really work for me anymore. So to walk in and know that everything in front of me fits and it works for me is so liberating. We teach our stylists that nothing has meaning except for the meaning we give it. And and for most of us, we walk into a wardrobe that isn't necessarily functional, not completely. It's full of stories and meaning. So, you know, the meaning we might place on something is, well, it did fit me at a certain time and I might get back into it again. Or often we hold on to things that someone may have given us thinking that randomly that person is going to walk through our wardrobe one day just to spot check that it actually is there. That never happens or so rarely happens. So it's funny the things that we tell ourselves to have us holding on to stuff that doesn't actually work with our life at all anymore. And as you said before, it's not helping us write this next chapter, this next book of where am I going to? What do I need my clothes to be able to help me to get there? Am I busy with young children so they need to be flexible or um, they need to be able to stain proof or whatever's important or if I'm a principal at a school how am I setting up the brand of the school like you're the face of the school and really leaning into what clothes can do for you and how it can elevate you I've really found that having more clothes for my speaking gigs yes I'm stepping out with confidence because Chelsea's helped me to create this style that makes me feel like me it's like another special out in the world it's Meg like it's amplifying me my authentic self and this is this is how I am I love to hear that that's 
That's what good style is about. That's what functional style is about. And we do that with things. So even when you mentioned speaking, there's something that we use a principle, a principle called structure and flow. And it's about how do you have those pieces that help you to feel like you're in speaker mode that as well help you to shift from mum mode to speaker mode in a matter of time. And it's funny when you say a principle as well, or having little kids, I remember working with a leading childcare organisation that really worked with primarily professional parents that would drop their babies and children off in the morning into the city and then they'd go about their day and they had this really gorgeous uh, director of the centre and her job fundamentally was sales and management. But she had been promoted having been someone who started on the floor with the kids essentially. So her role and her natural disposition was to nurture And that's what the expectation of the parents was. But it was also split because they needed to know that she had her shit together essentially enough and had enough control that things would be taken care of, that, you know, the little people that meant more to them than anything in their lives would be okay. There's strategy on how you build an outfit out like that. She was small. She was very petite. By nature, someone who could be easily overlooked because she was so little. And so we actually ensured that she had a defined shoulder in all of the jackets that we got her in because it actually created this sense of presence. But she needed to be in pants that were usually at least a really great fabric that she could brush down or something that was even a print where if little kids that needed to pull on her pants and to grab her for either care or for attention or to show her something wouldn't then mean that she didn't look professional moments later if she had to go and be front-facing with, you know, someone that essentially she was selling to or a board meeting, for example. So this is where it's, you know, fashion can be so strategic and it sounds like, well, yeah, of course, but we're not always taking into consideration those things when we're building out our wardrobe. The 80-20 rule generally applies for for our wardrobe. It's estimated we wear 20% of our wardrobe 80% of the time. So what is the rest of the stuff in there? And does it actually help to serve us in our lifestyle that we're in right now? Intentionality is so important when it comes to purchasing new pieces that actually do write that next chapter. Yes, I'm sure there's plenty of people listening saying, hmm, I'm thinking about my wardrobe and I'm not sure if it's really working for me. I think there could be more that we can do. What do you think then stops people from taking action in this space? I think it's mixed. I think for some people it's completely overwhelmed. They think that they don't even know where to start. I think for others they think that they should know this. I think that's crazy. You know, we go and learn lessons on how to, we learn how to drive a car. There's hours that you have to put into that. You have an instructor, there's a rule book, and you don't get that when it comes to style. You just observe things around you and assume that that should be enough to inform decisions. It's not. I think getting someone that can actually help is is obviously the quickest way to get an outcome that's different to the one that you're getting. I think permission is a big one for women. It's actually letting it be okay that you invest in yourself by outsourcing this thing that you either don't love or that you've lost your way in to someone else. I've spoken about even getting a cleaner and 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 this this idea particularly as I think women and men, but nowadays where well, we should have our our stuff sorted. We should be able to have it covered and and is it a cop out to maybe get somebody else to do that? And it's not. I think that fashion is so time consuming for so many people. It is one of the quickest ways to give time back to someone is to get somebody else to help you with it. And obviously I see that happen because I have an international network of stylists that we place in amazing styling jobs with people of all shapes, sizes, age, demographics, budgets, cities across the world. In that we see the transformation. So that could be helping someone get the job that they've really 
been wanting to go for. For someone else, it could be giving them time back with their children. Someone else, it's their first time TV appearance. And they know their stuff, but they don't know their stuff in a TV environment and how to bring all of that together. So what does that do? It creates anxiety. If you feel felt that you had your style together before kids, which a lot of people experience, and then they say, okay, but now my shape has changed and I'm completely lost. And then before they know it, their kid is starting school and they have to do school drop-off. They realise very quickly whether they fit in or don't. Because school drop-off is this whole fashion category that I didn't realise until I became a stylist. You see it happen. You see, you know, like hordes of women outside of school that will all be there in activewear. And that one person that kind of breaks that cycle and says, actually, I don't know that that is my style. It's just where I've ended up. So a big part of fashion is actually what do you want it to say about you? Because it's not the same for everyone or the people that you hang out with or the environments that you're in. You said something really interesting that it may just be where you've ended up. It's not quite your style. So you may be teaching in a school and you look around and everybody's kind of wearing the same kind of thing. It may not work for you. And what would it be like for you to come to work with your own authentic style? I think people get a sense of who you really are the more that your style really is. And usually we have to do a lot of proving of our expertise or our worthiness or our care or maybe um, our approachability. You know, the things that make us up as who we are as a human, it's, we're more than, than just what someone meets in those first few seconds, but we also know that in those first few seconds, it's estimated to take 1.7 seconds at the moment. The stats are always changing. It's becoming quicker and quicker to actually create a first impression of someone. And it's only 7% of that initial conversation, 7 or 8% that are the words that we're using. So we think that being articulate with a message really matters, and it does, but it doesn't matter as much in, at least in those early stages of someone feeling connection to us, connected to what we're, who we're being and how open we are or how approachable we look. It's amazing what our style says without saying anything at all. We grew up, I think, with this sentiment that is sort of still around a little bit, but it's, you don't have to be rich to, to look rich, but you can also have money and you can, you wouldn't know it. And I think like the whole, whole sentiment of that is that style is deceiving. So why not let it say the things that you want the world to know, including that you care? And I think that's where to think that it's superficial is just ridiculous because I can see Meg right now, and if you're watching this, you probably can't, but you're wearing this like incredible fuchsia-coloured top with this gorgeous round neck, and it just is so approachable. You know, you want to lean into you. There's, there's, it's, it's energetic. It's amazing what a simple top can say. Now, while we're not thinking about all of those things or running through our head when we're first speaking with someone, I've already got a sense of who you are, which is very different if you were in a white shirt buttoned up. I think that it was clinical and our conversation would have gone in a very different way. Some of the people that I coach, they really focus on that expertise, the content, learning more things, making it better, trying to get it right. And that's where I gently try and support them to think about the other elements. What are you wearing? How are you being in that space? Yeah. Are you present? Are you open? And for people who are in the teaching world, if they're moving from the classroom into heads of departments or vice principals, really thinking about how can my clothes evolve yeah. with this role? Often they're the last thing to catch up. It's funny when you say that you're giving, you know, that's part of what comes up with the coaching work that you're doing because I used to work a lot with coaches 
as in life coaches, executive coaches, business coaches, and they were passionate, passionate people. And I think that in a conversation with them, that would always come across, but they would rely so heavily on their intention and their enthusiasm and their care and their energy that often there was a real disconnect between what they could offer someone and what their brand said. It's like someone who's innovating in tech that then looks like they haven't updated their wardrobe since the 80s. Unless you were, rest in peace, Steve Jobs, there's not too many people that the human brain won't call out for integrity or trust. Is what you're saying matching up with what I'm seeing? That's how the human brain works. It comes back to a fight or flight response. So I think it's great that you're actually saying, you know, if you're going for this next job, what does that look like as a total package? We get caught up in a package as far as a contract and maybe a pay increase and, you know, the hours that we'll be working. But what are we bringing forward as a package? And and again, I don't mean that in a superficial way. I mean that in a way that is intentional. It's that if you're in a position where you are getting a, like you said, you're stepping up in the world, even moving to a heads of department or a principal or vice principal, I think making sure that our style reflects that is actually honouring our own growth because we're not who we were when we got started. You're not a uni student anymore. Because it's an act of self-respect and self-love to clothe ourselves in garments that make us feel good because we know that when we feel good, we function better. And when we function better, we relate better to other people instead of thinking, I've got no clothes to wear, I can't go, I'm going to look silly, everybody else is going to look good and I've got nothing to wear. And we get into all of this mess and story around clothes and a big myth that I hear over and over again is this idea that I have to lose weight before I buy new clothes. Do you hear that all the time? You're listening to the School of Wellbeing podcast with Meg Durham. To learn how I can help you thrive, visit openmindeducation.com. There you will find out about Thrive by Design, my workplace wellbeing program, Energy by Design, my game-changing program for educators, and Impact by Design, helping student leaders have an impact in their school community. Now let's get back to my conversation with Lauren DeBartolo. All of the time. Studies have been done on something called enclothed cognition, which has demonstrated that the meaning that we place on a garment has a direct impact into our output. In one of the studies that was done, there was a a lab coat, a white lab coat, and the subjects in this test were told that it was a lab coat and they had to perform, yeah, essentially it was a test that showed their cognition and their speed of determining different colours. And then they were given the same lab coat, but told it was a painter's jacket, so a painter's cloak, and their performance declined because now suddenly they were accessing their creativity, but not necessarily the sharpness and speed precision that they needed when they're in the lab coat. And we see this with what we tell ourselves when we put on anything in the morning. So if we are putting something on that doesn't tell the story of the chapter of where we're at in our life, but we're denying ourselves until we lose that weight or until we're at that bullshit idea of whatever we've told ourselves is finally worthy, I think that that can be really detrimental and really dangerous. And it's not just that I think I see this happen all the time. If you actually allow someone, irrespective of their weight or their size at the time, dress themselves in a way that is representative of, you know, the growth that they've had and where they're at now in their life, you're always going to get a better outcome. 
and generally they'll be able to move more congruently toward what they want rather than almost like what we see at times is a sabotage of I will deny myself until I am. And we don't just do that with our clothes. I mean, we can run that strategy in a whole bunch of things in our lives, right? It's it's not clothes specific. But that, I think, is even more interesting. Why do we think that our clothes are any different? To think about the impact that it has on the way that we feel and function if we feel like our body's not enough and we walk into our wardrobe and nothing fits right. There's so many clothes and all you're saying to yourself is, I've got nothing to wear, I've got nothing to wear. And I remember that first styling session that I had and I was quite nervous about it and my body had completely changed after the first baby I just didn't think about it. I actually didn't think that once you'd had a baby, there'll be a gap between what you had worn before and your maternity wear. I just hadn't got to that stage of life and getting to that stage of I literally don't have things to wear. I've got things that are too big and too small. And then to do that session and to have clothes that feel really good on me and styled well and to go back to work for the first time after having a baby, I felt on fire. I felt so good to have these clothes. And like, oh, in my head, I'm like, look at me wearing this stuff. Like, I'm like stylish and I wouldn't put Meg Durham and style together. And it was just a moment of like, wow, I can do this with support, with help. Yes. It's possible. Yeah, absolutely. I love hearing that so much. It's interesting as well because... I think sometimes you think about a new mum and you think her life might be sort of upended with all of this change. You might not necessarily think that someone would come back looking the best they've ever looked as far as more put together. And that's what most women in particular say, I want to look polished and put together, but like I haven't even tried. And if you can have that, even in a time of such change in your life, going back to a work environment, what an incredible feeling. I love that that's that's the approach that you took going back. That's so powerful. It also then means that, I mean, you're someone who serves naturally, you know, and in roles like we have where we're giving so much, we cannot give. When you're going back and you're thinking, oh gosh, this doesn't look like me, this doesn't feel like me, where is our focus? It's completely on ourselves rather than on the job at hand. So this isn't just an aesthetic topic. This is performance. If you want to perform and be present, make sure that the stuff you're taking care of in the morning, being your morning rituals, what you're putting on and clothing yourself in is sorted until or unless anyone moves to some kind of naked commune where clothes aren't even part of how we adorn ourselves. We factor into this. If you wear clothes daily, don't we want to ensure that the ones that we're putting on actually tell the world what we want to say? For sure. And even thinking about Christmas Day or birthdays, think ahead, have that organised so there's not the stress. I used to avoid social events or avoid public speaking or avoid anything where I'd have to be out of my comfort zone and wearing something different because I don't like shopping. Shopping makes me feel ill. And isn't that mad? It's mad that we would deny ourselves of opportunities to grow and to connect and to reconnect with others because we don't feel like we have anything there. I think that that is a really good indicator. I often will tell people if you're saying no rather than yes, the no is based upon the lack of what's in your wardrobe, then this isn't just a, oh, maybe I could do this one day. This is one of the most non-negotiable essentials that you could have in your life right now. It's almost like if, for example, we need a health intervention and someone has said, look, you can't keep having salt because your you know, your levels are going to be completely out or something. You wouldn't just keep adding salt to things and just like hoping that it goes away because there's too much at stake. 
same goes for our wardrobe. So much at stake. You know, you're working really hard. You're sort of in this uniform all week and then your friends are catching up at the lunch and think, oh, I can't go because I've got nothing to wear and then you don't go. And then that creates this vicious cycle of you don't go, you don't go, then they stop inviting you and then you're thinking, well, they don't like me anymore. And it's literally the barrier is your clothes and we live in a modern world with modern stylists who can support us. And a myth that I would really want to bust in this conversation is you have to have a lot of money to have a really good wardrobe. Yeah, and that's not true at all. Well, firstly, any money that we spend on things that we only wear once or we don't wear at all is wasted money. So it's not just a return on investment that a stylist can bring in the way of helping you get a workable wardrobe that gives you return on investment. But often we've got relationships with retailers or because we're shopping all the time as well, we know where we're going to find something that might be on sale. But even more than that, it's our exposure to different garments at different price points means that we're able to achieve an aesthetic that looks and feels like you, but that also fits within a budget. And I think that's what a lot of people don't think about. So you might be thinking, I need a coat for winter, but the one that you set your sights on is $500. And you might think, well, I don't have $500 to spend on a coat this winter. But a stylist might say, well, I've seen a really great coat that's $195. That's the same aesthetic. It's pretty good quality. And it's just a different brand. All of a sudden now, the $500 that you may have first seen on a coat that you think there's no way I'd spend it is actually a couple of outfits that you can mix and match where you do get to have it all. And you still have the functionality of being ready to move into the next season. It's funny because, again, it's this expectation that we should already know this when it comes to style. It's like the amount of men that I've had tell me throughout my career, it's like, uh, what would you recommend in order to clean these shoes? And I think if we think back to, I love there's some beautiful old imagery, European imagery, Americana imagery of grandfathers would sit with their grandsons on the boxes and have their shoe shined. And there was this process or this ritual of sitting there and getting your shoe shined, irrespective of maybe whatever cultural associations were there at the time. It was the act of showing someone about the importance of getting your shoe shined, irrespective of whether you had money or not. It was taught. There was, you'd know, how to do it or you'd see it in action or you'd know where to get it done and that's just stopped you know that like many things particularly in menswear has stopped so you've still got the expectation that you know how to look after a pair of shoes but you've never been shown how so how would you know that it's like knowing how to bake a cake it's like well we if you've ever baked a cake before you know that the oven has to be at the right temperature measure out the ingredients follow the instructions and it'll work but if you've never been given the instructions You don't know how hot the oven needs to be or the variation of that oven specifically. And that if you double the flour, but not the milk, the cake's not going to work. When it comes to our style, it's stop thinking that you should have it sorted if you've never been shown. I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to have everything sorted and organized. If you're a busy parent or a busy professional who is trying to manage everything else, the idea of going and spending a few hours on a Saturday to walk away more frustrated than when they arrived with maybe something, if anything, that looks like what they've already got in their wardrobe because of the reticular activating system, that's not exactly a success strategy. <laughs> so stop doing it. Stop making your life miserable <laughs> about your clothes and take some deliberate action. Yeah. I think that is so powerful. And just notice how powerful it makes you feel to wear clothes that fit, yeah. that are comfortable that work for you and I know for myself there are times in the changing room where I've been presented with an outfit 
And in my head, I'm thinking, no way. <laughs> Obviously, yep. in my head, I'm thinking it's not navy and white stripes. <laughs> I'm not sure about this. And then I put it on and my whole body just goes, yes, this feels good. I feel so good in this. And not having that question of, are you just trying to sell me things? Because you're on the same team, you know the budget and you work for that. So to wrap up this incredible conversation, Lauren, I'd love to invite you to complete these four sentences. Sounds good. I am inspired by? People. People who get out of their own way and go after what they really want, irrespective of whether that makes sense to anybody else or not. (laughs) When life feels hard? Put on a good outfit because it can truly change the way that you feel. For some people, that's putting on a pair of heels and walking around the house. Or for someone else, it's putting on a really great jacket or a blazer that just has them feel like they can take on the world. But the power of a great outfit should never be underestimated. An underrated skill is? I think layering. I'm going to bring it back to fashion and I'm going to say that layering is such a really great way to get return on investment and particularly with our crazy weather patterns at the moment, have us actually feeling like we can get through a week without needing to strip off one second and, you know, put on on, uh, wool the next. Yeah, I think layering is. And I am looking forward to. I think a place where specifically for for fashion is where sustainability is something that is affordable and accessible to everyone and where our love of clothes and the consumption of isn't having such a detrimental impact. We're seeing that happen now in the beginning, but um, I think it's got a long way to go. And it's, yeah, it's in full swing. I think fashion is such an agent of change. And at at the moment, (laughs) Siri's just told me that she's not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Every fashion is an agent of change. Um, But, yeah, there's a lot of waste, but it's also an area where we're seeing real good be done in the world, and that's exciting. Lauren, thank you so much for sharing your love of style and how style can amplify our identity and really help us to step forward with more confidence. I think it's such an underrated area and I love the work that you are doing. Every time I see you pop up, I just fist pump and cheer and think, yes, more people out in the world doing this really important work. So thank you so much for being a guest on the School of Wellbeing podcast. Thank you for having me. I've loved our chat. I loved so much about this conversation and learned so much. Who would have thought there was so much to it when it comes to styling and clothes? I hope this conversation has inspired you to think about the clothes you wear each day and how they could be impacting the way that you're showing up. To learn more about Lauren and the Australian Institute of Style, visit www.australianinstituteofstyle.com.au. There you'll be able to learn more about the styling process and connect with a stylist in your area. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to stop and take a moment to think about the two following questions. Number one, from this conversation, what is one thing you want to remember? What is your pearl? And number two, What is one action you can take in the next 24 hours to support your well-being? Subscribe to my Thought of the Week newsletter to find out what I'm working on, upcoming events and everything that I'm currently loving, including books, podcasts and shows. If you're interested in participating in Energy by Design next term, join the waitlist now and be the first to know when enrolments open. To support the show, please rate and review on iTunes and Spotify and share with your family, friends and colleagues. 
Thank you for listening to the School of Wellbeing podcast. All the links from this episode will be in the show notes.